All right, this is WDHP, live from Skype Studios in Baltimore, Maryland. With us today is Rye Levy. He is the director and producer of Out in the Ring. It's a documentary on LGBTQ pro wrestlers. Rye, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. No problem. Happy to chat with you. Yeah, I'm actually very excited about this topic and what your project is. Real quick, is this the first interview you've done for your project? No, you know, I've done a few interviews at different periods of time. I mean, we've tried to do um, interviews, you know, varying varying different topics than that. The last interview we did, we tried to focus a little more on kind of the technical aspects of the film. Ah. Uh, because we do, um, but there's, you know, it's such a broad topic and there's so much uh, going on all the time that, uh, you know, there's a lot to discuss, um, regardless of how many times you, uh, you have a discussion, there's always new questions and new perspectives. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is because I feel very grateful to get you on this show. This documentary is going to blow up and be huge. And (laughs) as someone who's doing a podcast, people are going to be looking for more and more interviews with you. So I was like, oh, I hope I have the first one with him. That being said, I'm glad that you're getting out there and doing other shows too. It's important to get your product out. Watching the trailer, I was beyond impressed with the quality. I didn't know what to expect, honestly, when we started talking on Twitter. Because you don't know. People on Twitter are very... I mean, there's a lot of fake people, a lot of crazy people. And when when we started talking and I... went and saw the trailer my god i was blown away by the quality by the people in your documentary so just congratulations everything seems like it's going to be awesome well thank you very much that's very kind of you to say why did you decide to do this topic well you know i'm a lifelong wrestling fan i you know i grew up in the 1980s uh the mid mid early kind of uh early 80s to mid 80s on um calgary stampede wrestling and AWA wrestling. So, you know, I was always, you know, a fan of wrestling and I kind of, you know, drifted away. Um, I didn't feel like uh, there was a place for me in, you know, in pro wrestling as a fan. Uh, I certainly had seen and was just, you know, addressing my own gender and sexuality. And, you know, it certainly didn't feel like it was a welcome space. Um, Ultimately, I did come back to watching wrestling again. Uh, in it about uh, 2005, I started watching uh, pretty heavily again. I'd stopped around 99, uh, kind of around the same time that WCW and WWE were having their uh, the, the Monday Night Wars. And I was kind of, you know, I was walking away from it then. Um, in about 2014, I decided uh, that it was going to be a time to make my first feature documentary uh, I've been working in the film industry at that point for 16 years and decided that I would take something that, one, I had a passion for, and two, that was a representation of uh, the LGBTQ community that I am a member of. So I began the process of exploring out professional wrestlers, those from the past and those current. And in 2017, I shot my first interview with a uh, veteran journeyman wrestler, uh, Sergeant Dixon, Scott McEwen. And from there, uh, I was 
certainly hard-pressed to find a number of out-wrestlers. I mean, Fred Rosser had only just come out. Yes. And finding other people was becoming difficult and finding other wrestlers that were willing to speak. We, we had Pat Patterson at that, you know, that we knew about. Yes. And then at the end of 2017, in the, at around t- the summer of 2017, Charlie Morgan came out in uh, Eve Pro Wrestling. And so that was a huge deal because that was the first wrestler to come out in the ring as as part of their the persona as part of their pro you know a program with another yes. wrestler. So that was a significant um, significant story for me. So I reached out to Charlie and we made arrangements for me to um, fly to London uh, when I was mm. going to be flying in February of that of 2018. And then by December, Mike Pero had come out, and it was like, I think we've got something. We're going yes. to start. Um, we'll start focusing on these stories. So I made arrangements to interview Pero during WrestleMania weekend, and at the same time, I had connected with Effie, who was also going to be there. And eventually, that led to me going to another event, an LGBTQ um, promotions event. Uh, I don't talk about that promotion just because the promoter uh, has been pretty much canceled in the industry, and rightfully so. Okay. Uh, so we don't uh, we don't mention them, but they were Fair. using a lot of amazing talent. People like Ashton Starr, AC Mack, Billy Dixon, mm. Effie was on the card, Willow Nightingale, just some incredible, incredible people, um, all you know from around the world and different culture, culturally diverse. Uh, it was it was. It was an exciting, you know, it was an exciting time, and you know, we just kept adding more uh, stories to it. And then it was about trying to find. Then it was trying to find a legend like Susan Green, who we tracked down in South Carolina, who was able mm-hmm. to bring uh, a voice um, on the side of somebody who had, you know, wrestled in the '60s and '70s and could wow. speak the experience there. Uh, we interviewed Pat Patterson's biographer um, Bertrand Bear, who wrote "Accepted" with him. Mm, we didn't interview, we didn't interview Pat at that time uh, um because as we now know uh since Pat's passing that he was his health was not well and he was yeah. experiencing some memory loss issues. Yes. Um yes. I did get to know Pat and spend some time with Pat uh but it just wasn't fair to have him sit and do an interview uh no. and and risk having him, you know, not be seen in the right light. And honestly the the perfect way to do this was to work with the man who spent five years working on the book with him and yes. became like a, almost like a son to him in a way, uh, Bertrand. And, and it worked out wonderful. It gave us the opportunity to address all of those issues and he could be the proper spokesperson for, for Pat and be able to pass along that story and the message that we needed. And Susan Green, as it turned out, was very well connected to Pat and Louis Dondoni, his partner, and so there was a relationship there. And as we went along interviewing additional superstars, they talked about their interactions with those stars. And it just expanded the story. And it, it opened up um, all different avenues and gave me an opportunity to add uh, different uh, perspectives. And yeah. we get to the film today. We're in, you know, now we are in 2021 we've, you know, with delays uh, just mm. because of um, you know, the, the promotion that we had shot with initially we was canceled 
out essentially well canceled per se but yes individual was and then speaking out happened and that caused a great amount of you know um change and yes it certainly did we needed to address that and Mm. it took uh and then the pandemic happened so then we had shoots that were canceled there and it took uh, me kind of going back and deciding how we were going to continue without what were things that we were planning on using so we couldn't use big gay brunch as our as a as a part of the film because we couldn't be there so we ended up substituting and revisiting Billy Dixon again and working with him around and using Butch versus Gore as a, an example and a good jumping <laughs> off point. Wow. And, and that led to adding, you know, additional interviews. We have an amazing editor, Brad Webb, who um, this is his first feature that he's editing, but he cut his teeth doing a lot of documentary editing for Peter Jackson and doing DVD extras for a lot of companies. So I was able to get Brad because of the pandemic, uh, for, <laughs> you know, for a reasonable price. And he was also a fan. So I ended up with a top tier editor who genuinely cared about wrestling mm. and was the kind of collaborator who would say, listen, um, we've looked at all your footage. We looked at everything. If you don't fill in these holes, this is going to be a really shitty movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least they were honest. That's awesome. You know, and and I said, what do you need? He said, well, you need this, you need this, you need this. I said, well, then we'll figure out how to shoot it. Mm -hmm. And that required um, hiring crews in other cities and me doing the interviews from a laptop in Toronto. Yeah. And filming there and then getting the footage back. Wow. So we did that. We did a couple of extra shoots in Toronto. We went back and revisited people like Greg Oliver, who is a wrestling journalist and historian. Uh, the promoter for Demand Lucha here in Toronto uh, was able to fill in some of had wrestled in Mexico for years as a and wrestled the Luchadors, so he had an insight into the history of the Exoticos. Yes, I was going to that say that's gave, that's a big part of the culture. In that Lucha gave Libre. us a lot. It gave us a lot more. So we filled in those slots that we had, and then. About three, four weeks ago, we did two more interviews, one with Jordan Blade, one with Danny Jordan, and uh, we're happy now with what we have. We feel like we've got the right amount of voices. We've um, found a narrative that's going to tell, you know, a complete history from the 1940s to today. Oh, wow. So you were able to go back to the 1940s. Yes. Incredible that you were able to find... (laughs) To me, I'm just blown away by that because... In the territory era, I mean, I think in in your trailer, it even said like homosexuality was a crime. It was, yeah. I mean, it's certainly <laughs> they were uh, they would be institutionalized. There was that. There was that stuff. You know, I mean, we found. Um, you know, we know that Pat uh, and Louie points were uh, being monitored by the police for being wow. in, in gay bars in the nineteen sixties. Um, Unbelievable. Uh, but again, you know, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, we go back to the 1940s with, you know, the, you know, an Exotico started, an American in Mexico started the Exotico gimmick and he brought it back and then passed that along to George Wagner, who mm. became Gorgeous George. Yes. But you've also got, you know, if you think about it, I mean, the man, the one of the main men in charge of pro wrestling in the 1960s was an openly gay man in Jim Barnett. Yes. As a promoter. true. So you have that. And then you have, you know, then you had people like Susan Green who were out and Pat who were out, but not 
Yeah. Know, they were they were hiding in plain sight. Exactly. Um, and then you had, but you then you had out superstars that were out the entire career, like Chris, you know, Chris Colt and Ron Dupree were mm. out. They were totally out, and even in the seventies, and to you know, to Chris's, you know, especially to Chris Colt's detriment, um, it prevented you know a lot of his booking. I mean, sure, a lot of the struggles that he dealt with though also contributed to his issues with drugs and alcohol. Yeah, um, um you know, that's a tragic story as well. But that's a big part of this too, mm. is for so many of these wrestlers, uh, the the area the area of mental health and addiction has permeated that and has permeated their careers. Uh, you know, Mike Pero has shared stories about his his own battles with you know his own issues with his uh, struggling with his sexuality and mm. accepting who he was. Uh, you know, obviously people like Chris Canyon and Joni Lauer. Both struggled with, you know, you know, Chris Canyon with bipolar disorder. Yeah. And Joni Lauer with alcohol and drug addiction. Um, yeah. So, you know, so much of this difficulty is trying to find your place and finding a place of acceptance and getting, you know, battling these demons and finding, you know, a place where, you know, you can be yourself in the space that you want to spend your career working in is tough for so many of them. And, and that's something we also heavily explore. Um, it's not something that, you know, they, we shy away from. And it's an important discussion to have. Oh, I agree. And it's, for me, it's interesting that in 2021, I feel like we're in a more, in some degrees, a more tolerant society. We're more accepting of the LGBTQ community in some parts of the world, maybe not everywhere obviously there's always going to be people who are prejudiced and ignorant but the comparison between even i imagine in 1990 maybe even early 2000s if you were a homosexual a gay queer professional wrestler you were probably getting bullied and not getting a lot of work from certain certain indies or even maybe like the major companies like wwe or wcw I mean, you know, it was, it's interesting because you either stayed in, you stayed in the closet, Mm. just didn't talk about it. I mean, we know now that there were many wrestlers who were, were, you know, Pat Patterson. I mean, you think about it, the most powerful man in WWE, with the exception of Vince McMahon. I mean, we're talking about the man who created the Royal Rumble. Yeah, Uh, very true. And, you know, but we're also, you know, but Pat's downfall uh, in the nineties was the fact that he was, wasn't out publicly. So he became a very easy target to lump into people like Murray Hodgson, the mm. con man who accused him of, uh, of sexual misconduct. Yes. And Pat was unfortunately lumped in with Terry Garvin and Mel Phillips in mm. the sex scandals. And so you had to deal with, you know, you figure Pat not only had to deal with the fact that he was in the closet, he was dealing with, the the fear and the homophobia that comes with that Uh, and people like billy you know billy graham saying that they saw pat sexually assaulting young ring boys and Mm. then and then for billy graham to retract that statement in his book and blame it on i was high on halcyon uh you know that you know we know now that you know was pat a child molester was pat doing these things no No. was pat was Pat innocent? No, I'm sure Pat probably pinched a behind in his time or two and told a dirty joke and said right. inappropriate things. 
And I think we've been, you know, and I've been very careful in terms of how I approached this with talking to as many people as I could about Pat Patterson and came to the realization that in talking with numerous wrestlers who worked with him and people who had worked alongside him and listening to testimonials from people like Tony Schiavone and even, you know, less, you know, more dubious people like Jim Cornette, who still, you know, a favorable opinion of Pat overall. I think everybody realize, realizes that Pat was basically a victim of circumstances, homophobic circumstances. And it was yeah. very easy to throw him in with everybody. And there's well, a yeah. reason why he came back and the other two gentlemen did not. And ultimately, Terry Garvin just would pass away and we don't even know what happened to Mel Phillips. Yeah. But Murray Hodgson was also, it turned out, had been a career con man who had also, who was a closeted homosexual himself. Mm. and had actually at one point fired his attorney who was gay who was representing him before the case was thrown out ridiculous what a it's it's tragic honestly that pat patterson had to take that hit and i, I thank god he was able to come back from it and yeah and i mean i think you know it, and the problem is 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 pat patterson's name is always going to have an asterisk behind yes. it and that to me is an unfortunate thing so it's up to people like myself and those who actually knew him and the historians to remind people that listen pat was pat perfect no but neither was rick flair no not at yeah was, neither I was mean, a, neither were a lot of these guys uh, jerry lawler oh well, jerry lawler I is mean, is, is a name that's I mean, infamous yes i i'm i wasn't there i don't know people but people tell enough stories about it maybe there's yeah. you know what, what is the saying where there's smoke there's fire so yeah absolutely and i mean i think you know we the idea is is that well with lawler i mean there's some stuff on tape of you know his uh, at least his homophobia and his racism and stuff i mean is is yeah something that has come out in it and you know we we, we highlight you know we have clips of some of the things that lawler has said over the years yeah. And, um, you know, and that's important, you know, I mean, those things are painful and they're unfortunate, but yeah. it, the only way to explain the struggle of LGBTQ performers in the history of pro wrestling and the history of representation in it is to talk about these things and show some sad and very dubious, you know, representations, many of them caused by a company like WWE. Definitely. They, well, I'm thinking back to like the Billy and Chuck angle. Were they sort of tried to gain viewership with the with the gay and, and queer community only to sort of insult those fans? Yeah, they, they definitely did do that. I mean, they went out of their way to consult and work with Glad to build mm-hmm. up that build up that storyline. And they even went as far as doing uh, like an episode on the Today Show. Wow. Uh, where Billy and Chuck went on there. Now, I obvi- that Today Show episode somehow has disappeared, and huh. nobody seems to know who has it. It may be in the vault somewhere, <laughs> at, but it's never surfaced online. Um, but, I mean, just having the way that that storyline went and then having the way that it, you know, they, they had it play out uh, yeah. was problematic. But there were many more problematic things. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, there's far more offensive things than even Billy and Chuck. I mean, I think... You know, the idea of HLA, you know, of, of hot lesbian action, uh, uh, the idea, yes. you know, um, you know, the Mark, the Mark uh, Henry China uh, angle where her transgender friend is giving him a blowjob. Oh, God, I forgot about that. But yeah, and he, vom- 
nuts, you know. I mean, all of these things are That's just really dubious, you know. Disgusting. And, just, and I had, you know, I had, you know, it was bad enough when I was showing my editor and with Brad, my Brad Webb, my editor. I would sit and say, hey, Brad, you need to watch this while I'm sitting here because I need <laughs> to see your reaction to this. Because I need to get an idea of you're responding to this stuff as insanely as I am. And he, we, we stared at that clip and couldn't believe that it existed. I, yeah, I remember thinking back to it at the time, watching it and being like, I can't believe this is on TV and I'm watching this. This is ridiculous. Because honestly, I, I'm like you, I grew up, watching wrestling in the 80s you know early mid 80s but when they started with the attitude era i guess some of those storylines were just so disturbing and just insulting honestly i think i think the initial gold dust character Mm -hmm. uh when they came in you know was certainly very all about playing up gay panic but Mm -hmm. that's something that's always been part of an angle in terms of playing you know up the you know this idea of confusion yeah. mm-hmm. and you know you know this goes you know back to you know again we go back to gorgeous george mm-hmm. we go back to we can even talk a little bit about the exoticos i mean yeah. although they are a little more they were a little more culturally accepted in in mexico right interestingly enough for a country so catholic yeah that's that is um, funny actually yeah and uh but you know, but you look at Adrian Street, and mm-hmm. I mean, even you know, we now that we know that Kendo Nagasaki, in World mm-hmm. of Sport, was bisexual, also came to the ring with a flamboyant, uh, gay presenting, you know, manager in 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 the other gorgeous George, George Gillette. Yes. In in World of Sport, so you know these representations have been there. I mean, even you can look at leather iconography. You know, leather culture has always yeah. been a big play in it. You know, look at the Road Warriors. That's a leather man's fetish. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, even the Adrian's, the Adrian Adonis, Jesse Ventura era in the 70s, you know. The leather jacket. Leather the jacket. Hat. Yeah. Hats, that's yep. all, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's right out of Tom of Finland. <laughs> and and then Adrian and then Adrian Adonis would of course become, you know, the with the flower shop. Yes, yeah, ad- adorable Adrian Adonis. There was all of those things. So, you know, mm. there have been, you know, there's been a whole entire career of this kind of representation. And it still exists to this day. I mean, we still do have cis white straight mm-hmm. guys playing flamboyantly gay presenting characters. I mean, yes. you know, uh, Velveteen Dream to an extent does that. Uh, yes. Dalton Castle uh, yeah. definitely, um, you know, plays up those angles and, and goes there. Um but, you know, it's, you know, but it's, it's certainly better. Uh, this idea of the ambiguously gay wrestler is still, you know, it's still something that comes up and people kind of apply their own, yeah. you know, things to it. But there are fewer and fewer of those now that we have more out talent out there. Yep. And, and it's great to see it. I mean, why do you need a flamboyant straight guy playing gay when you have the real deal in Sunny Kiss? Exactly. Yes. And that's something I really enjoy about AEW is that they seem to have a very strong roster of LGBTQ people. When I think about it, like you have Nyla Rose, uh, Sonny, 
I believe Kenny Omega is bisexual. Kenny is not out, as far as I know. So, all right. So that's just an internet rumor. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's not uh, really. Yeah, he's not publicly out. So, all right. It's, so, it's so I, really I, I won't. Then I won't. Then I won't assign that to him. Yeah, yeah. That's that's on. That's him. If he wants to. Yeah, it's absolutely. That's you know one of the things yeah. is there are lots of people that I might be aware of even. Yes. That are. But mm-hmm. it's not my place to tell their story at this time. It, exactly. Yeah. And others speculate, but there's plenty of other talent in there. I mean, AEW has Anthony Bowens. Yes. I mean, they have Danny Jordan working for them. Uh, Mr. Grimm just came out recently. Wow. Uh, Ashton Starr has done spots for them. You've got Layla Hirsch, Diamante. Yeah, it's amazing. And it makes me happy, actually. Like, people, they don't have to be afraid to go to yeah. work to do their job and entertain and they can just have a good time do their best and not worry about oh well i'm transgender or i'm a gay male what are these other guys gonna think are they gonna beat me up in the ring am i gonna get you know not not that they couldn't handle their own because they definitely could but are these guys gonna work stiff with me and you never know things like that we've talked to i've talked to wrestlers that have said i've been really worried that somebody's gonna you know that somebody's gonna you know you know, just you're going to work stiff with me or they're going to, yeah. you know, they're going to, they're going to potato me or they're going to drop yeah. me on my head. Um, and there is some fear of that. I mean, certainly, you know, in talking to some of the African-American queer wrestlers, oh, I can't uh, even imagine how stressful the, that is working in the South. They had some stories, you know, people like Ashton, you know, Ashton Starr and AC Mack talking about working, you know, working, working heel, not even as a, <laughs> as, a as somebody who's out. Because if you look at somebody like AC Mack, I mean, their character doesn't necessarily present, you know, it, you know, isn't presenting a gay, you know, gay storyline within the story, within the, within their, who they are. Um, right. So, you know, AC's storyline doesn't, you know, is that of him being a loudmouth. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, but he did, he did certainly tell me that they've asked him to play the black villain, Southern, in certain Southern promotions. Yeah, uh, it's, it's certainly not um, something that hasn't come up, and it still exists to this day. I mean, yeah. it's and it's going to continue to exist to this day. Yeah, where I live in Baltimore, it's sort of it's the Mason Dixon line they call it because it's yeah. kind of the north, kind of the south. So I could totally see that. How if he just went a few states down in America, went down to Florida, went down to Alabama, yeah, I could see someone like him getting some some heat from the crowd, and not good. Yeah. Heat. I mean, it's interesting, you know, some wrestlers, if you live, it's inter- it was interesting to hear the stories from wrestlers of color and the, you know, who lived, who were lived, who have lived in New York and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And when we initially interviewed Sonny before AEW, Sonny had not had as much of a negative experience as some other wrestlers had. Not to say it was easy. Right. Ever. But. Um, living in a far more progressive mm-hmm. area where maybe there's where there's you know there's significantly more access to education, yeah, those things there that you know, and that's a lot of this is a lot of it is access to education, and you know if you don't see people represented on screen, how can you ever, you know, how are you ever going to know? somebody i mean for better or worse i mean the first transgender person most people in the world ever got to really know was caitlin jenner yes that's i mean that's true which is wild because that was what five six years ago almost five years now yeah we're almost at that so Uh, 
but I mean, you've got Laverne Cox too. I mean, you know, who's a much better representation, I think, you know, in terms of, yeah. but you know, again, it's just, you know, when you don't see people, when you're not represented in society and people don't have the chance to see you, they can't see, you know, they can't get used to differences. You're absolutely right. And before I stop this interview, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're very busy. I saw again, thank you for doing what you're doing. I think it's going to be an amazing documentary. Just as a wrestling fan, for me, I mean, I do champion the LGBTQ community. I am, I really think it's important. But if I was just, hey, I'm just an old white guy. I love wrestling. This documentary looks incredible. And the fact that you were able to find so many people to talk and the quality, honestly, the quality of the interviews that I saw just from the trailer alone. I mean, this is going to win tons of awards. And oh, it's wow. really, I really, I honestly believe that it's just a fantastic production from just those, that basic clip that you have out there. So when do you expect it to be finished and starting to air, I guess, in festivals? Is that the next We're step? Gonna- we're definitely going to aim for the festivals. Um, you know, that was always something that I kind of wanted to focus on uh, if, if we could. And, you know, for better or worse, the pandemic has afforded us the opportunity to uh, to work uh, on the film longer, to uh, to create a better, a stronger narrative yes. and tell more stories and and, and, and add, a, add a few more, uh, you know, add, you know, and add and discuss some very important things. Definitely. And, uh, it's you know it opened up a lot more for us. Uh, we're on track right now to finish by October, and then if if possible, we'd you know we'd be considering to start premiering in November. Oh wow! Uh, if if that if not then then certainly by January 2022 we would be ready to go for festivals full. Fantastic! Wow, I'm really excited. I know a lot of my listeners are going to be very excited. Um, social media wise, where can my listeners find you? follow you, um, help promote your project? Sure. Uh, we are on Twitter at Out in the Ring. Uh, we are on Instagram at Out in the Ring Doc. And on Facebook, it's Facebook slash Out in the Ring. Excellent. And do you have any GoFundMe or anything where people can donate money to your project? Well, at this point, we've we've done a couple of rounds of crowdfunding and fundraising. So we're on to the point now where we're just, we're, we're, using whatever i'm using whatever funds i have available hmm. and we're talking with uh some people to uh come in with the completion the completion money but well we're still on track to work everything and if that means we have to strike a deal to defer things until we get <laughs> that done we'll do it yeah uh, we'll figure out how to do it if it means i have to work extra hours to make it happen it's going to happen and uh you know at this point you know we're just you know we've kind of done the crowdfunding thing it involves a lot of work yeah. a lot of time and having done two rounds of it plus a uh, a telethon we did in february called we speak out uh wow. it you know it was a lot of work and <laughs> yeah. uh and it's already a lot of work to make a film and then and then i still have to do all the things that pay the bills uh yeah absolutely. my other job is my, which is my daily job in film which is yes. you know, publicity and marketing so wow well again thank you for taking the time this 30 minutes to sit down and, and talk with me. I appreciate it. My podcast, I'll be honest with you, is normally kind of a comedy satire, but I sure. wanted to take a I wanted to take a more serious approach because at least with you, I didn't want to mess around and joke around and be silly because this is an amazing topic. And as someone who enjoys pro wrestling as much as I do, I was like, 
this is an incredible topic. I don't think it's really ever been covered other than maybe on Vice once. This story has so much to it that, I mean, I can't wait to watch your documentary. I'm like, I'm, yeah, so, I mean, ex- and, and I'm so excited. And that Vice piece um, as actually is, is, is focuses on the individual who ran that promotion that's been since canceled. Wow. And most of the performers, you would not know that there were 20 other out performers on that, on that show. Wow. I was at that show. That was the huh. show we filmed at when Vice filmed there. We were filming the same time from oh. the audience, and we were filming interviews with people. So when that came out, they interviewed everybody, and when the film came out, it became about that individual more than about the wrestlers. <laughs> and Wow, so, what a whole different like perspective. This is amazing that you were there at the same time as Vice, and you have this whole other view of what was going on and like uh, what the importance of that moment was. And it's really interesting. Wow. Well, I think it comes from also being a part of the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, you know, this, you know, this is why we keep constantly having this discussion about whether about African-American or indigenous filmmakers yes. or LGBTQ um, filmmakers telling our stories and not putting and taking those stories into our own hands mm-hmm. because you know, no disrespect to people who are part of the straight community and are amazing right. allies. But, you know, to quote my my dear friend Billy Dixon, sometimes <laughs> the best thing a straight person can do is just get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, look, I am a straight white male. If if I can help somehow, I, I love helping. Yeah. But if I, need, if I need to step aside... Cool, I'll do that too. And I think that that you know that that's an important thing is 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 being part of being a good ally is knowing when to step away. Yeah, exactly. You can still, you can still be there and stand up for your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and non-binary um, people in the community and and support them and and by by you know speaking up and standing with us and you know and you know being at being supporting at events and you know, stopping and ending homophobia when somebody says something stupid that, you know, it yeah. gets, cut, you know, it gets nipped in the butt. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes people need to realize, you know, maybe I just need to get out of the way. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't need to take this spot on this show. Yes. Maybe that spot needs to go to somebody from that community. And I, that's part of why I love to show like Butch versus Gore. I mean, you're talking about mm. a show that had 90% uh, BIPOC performers. Wow. You know, um, just, you know, you know, 80 to 90% BIPOC queer performers on it. Just and, unheard, it's unheard of when you think about you know, it. So, yeah. you know, and you know, just, it was such an amazing, you know, you know, obviously people like Danny Jordan were on that as well as Erica Lee. And, you know, and Logan Black, who just came out. Wow. Who at the time. Did not know that. Yeah. Logan Black just came out two months ago. And today he did his first podcast, did another podcast interview where he uh, shared his story with the person that he gave the story to. That's great. Uh, So, you know, it's amazing because we're seeing more and more people willing to speak up and come out. Um, When we did our, for example, when we did our, um, you know, Dame, uh, she just came out as transgender. Hmm. So she has come out uh, wow. and changed and announced her pronouns. And Maxie Impaler came out as pansexual and non-binary. Wow. 
I, I uh, had no idea, honestly. So, you know, there's some, you know, there's a, you know, and Mr. Grimm came out as pansexual yeah. uh, in AEW. So, you know, more and more people are feeling comfortable speaking out. And, uh, and again, you know, in say, you know, living their truth. And that's, you know, that's an important thing because, you know, the only way we can squash some of the absurdity. And of course, you know, I mean, I mean, I love comedy wrestling as much as anybody, but well, yeah, of course, but let's, let's, let's get it. To, let's, let's have a good reason that there's comedy there. Not because it's mocking somebody. Yeah. Not in a hurtful. Yeah. I think that that's the difference between. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I completely agree with you. And I feel like this is your project is helping move the movement. So it's awesome. And I can't I'm, wait, I'm, I'm I can't wait to buy your merchandise when you have merch out. I can't wait to buy it. I can't wait to buy this on DVD or, or stream it online and just plug it wherever I can. Because well, I, I'd be great. I just, you know, ultimately I get to be kind of a way, you know, I'm using my, my what I have to be a mirror for these people to tell their stories. And I can only hope that um, the final product product, you know, does them justice and and you know provides them something that they can you know that they can be proud of and that they're going to be proud to stand up with me on a stage and say hey this i'm in this movie so yeah wow well thanks again for coming on the show no I problem really appreciate it and good luck with everything thank you so much Justin. Daddy home, daddy home.